are listening to the Elephant in the Room podcast with your host, Sutta Singh. Each week, we will bring you a diverse range of inspiring speakers on issues of inequality and inequity. You will hear stories about fairness, justice, belonging, and about best practice for creating a more inclusive workplace. So, if you are an individual or leader interested in a fairer, equitable, compassionate society and workplace, this podcast is for you. My guest on the Elephant in the Room podcast this week is Tehseen Zaidi, Head of Communications at Syngenta India. Good afternoon, Tehseen. Thank you for joining us on the Elephant in the Room podcast today. Good afternoon, Sudha. Thanks for the wonderful opportunity. It's always good to connect with like-minded people and speak your heart out on the subjects you really like. So thank you once again for the opportunity. Can you give us a quick introduction to who you are and what you do? Well, the first introduction of mine will be someone who passionately works for women and who always believes that women can empower each other. Professionally, I've been a media professional for past 20 years. I've spent more than a decade with NDTV taking care of the crisis communications, proactive communications, PR, relationships, and networking. Currently, I'm working with a Swiss-based multinational called Syngenta India Private Limited, where I'm heading their corporate communications department. Apart from this introduction of mine, I am a mommy to two boys, one who is going to be a teenager soon and the other one who is six year old and a very, very naughty brat. <laughs> I'm also a pet lover with a cat and two birds who coexist and love each other. Oh, wow. That's amazing. The cat's not been trying to eat the birds. Huh? That's good. Well, they roam around freely and coexist beautifully. So I've heard you speak about growing up in a conservative town in Uttar Pradesh. What did it mean to be female and someone who has a mind of their own? What does it mean to be growing up in that environment? And what or who were your biggest influences growing up? Well, that's a very interesting question, Sudha. Yes, I grew up in a conservative environment where the only future for a girl child was to get their basic education, which is till 10th or maybe 12th, 12th, and then look beautiful, cook tasty food, sing well, be presentable, and be a good wife. So that's how women in my town were treated as. For me, it was different. I was a very stubborn child from my beginning. So when I was like towards my teen, my mother started teaching me how to cook good food because according to her, this was the primary responsibility of a girl and I will be judged if I don't know cooking. So that is where my rebel started. And I said, no, whoever I'll be marrying will cook for me and I'll not cook for the person. <laughs> Coming back to your question, who influences me the most? Yes, my father, my mentor, who's no more physically with me, but he inspires me. He guides me in each and every step of my life I take. He is my biggest critic, mentor, my guide, and my well-wisher. So when my mom used to push me for cooking and I will purposely run away saying it's not my job, my father will say she will be empowered and educated to that level that she will have 10 khan samas, means the cooks, and 
the guy should be brave enough to marry this kind of a woman. So my girl is not meant for doing household chores. She is meant to be a leader. I want to see her empowered. I don't want to spend money for dowry. Rather, I'll spend that money on her education so that she can take care of her family and she can earn for her lifetime. And that is where I'm coming from. Wow. Amazing to have such an amazing role model in your house who was supporting you and showing you the way every step of the way. I know you are very, very passionate about gender diversity and you talk about it and women in leadership. So what drives this passion? And have you personally faced barriers in your career? Yes, of course. And I feel every woman does face. Some speak out, some are vocal about it, and some are silent. So I'm the vocal one. Yes, there are barriers in India, fortunately or unfortunately. So barriers are like, you know, okay, my father supported me. I got educated, was empowered enough, and I was free to choose my life partner, which I chose, who's equally supported. But the problem arises that when you have family, or you have an ailing parent, societal pressure. So yes, while they do that, they have to compromise a little bit on their career. Like for me, I denied promotions twice in my high-flying career. When I was on my peak, I had to say no because I wanted to be a good mom. I wanted to justify my role. And I refused many offers from the industry. So I'm happy about it. I have no grudges. But I feel, yes, if responsibilities are equally divided and if we have a very good support system, again, coming back to my point, if strong women support each other, I think we'll be able to fill up this void very, very soon. Yeah. So your personal beliefs clearly drive your passion for gender diversity. So most women face self-doubt. Has this been your experience? And how have you dealt with the so-called imposter syndrome? No, I never dealt with it and I never had a self-doubt, honestly. And I am very clear in my heart and in my head on what I want to do, what I want to achieve, where I want to take a back seat, and where I want to be the driver. So I, I drive my own life. And the mantra to drive my own life is being myself. I firmly believe that when you are yourself and you pamper yourself and you nurture yourself without being judged, and without always trying to be the best in every aspect and always trying to do the best for every relationship, sometimes there are some things which you just need to leave. Yeah. So that is where the secret of my always never being in a self-doubt lies, that I will think this is the best and I will be convinced there will be no second doubt and I'll be able to convince people that I am right and this is what I want. <laughs> People should have the ability to make choices about what they think success looks like. It doesn't look like the same thing for everyone, right? You decided to step back or you decided not to take the promotion because you believed firmly that you wanted to spend time with your children. Or if you believe in something else, you will do it because you believe that that is the right path for you. And so your success is defined by that. It is not just by a designation or not just by a salary or by experience. That's very interesting to know. I'd like to add that success comes automatically. When you know your work well, you are confident of your work, success can wait. Maybe what I was supposed to achieve five years back, I will achieve now. 
Hmm. Because I have the talent, I have the ability, and I'm sincere in my work. So when I do it, there is no looking back. Yeah. And you're setting your own timeline, right? Yes, of course. I was very clear in my head from the time I got married that before turning 30, I'll have two kids. So now I'm 38 and I'm living my life on my own terms and conditions while my kids are grown up and they are living their own lives. So that's what my target was and I achieved it. This is amazing. Have you faced difficulties in engaging with your male colleagues or in negotiating pay raises or promotions? Yes, of course, we do live in India. And why do I blame India? It's all over the world. Absolutely. So while I was pregnant the second time, I was working in a high stress news environment, the newsroom. I was working with one of the leading news channels of India, which is NDTV. And it was considered a woman dominating organization. Considering that one fine day, my male colleague who was senior to me, I told him that I am pregnant. I'll not be able to work on this show further because I have to give a handover anyway. He looked at me with surprised eyes and a very strange look. And he was like, oh, your career is gone in a newsroom. How dare you plan to have a second child? Mm. So I was like, it's my wish. He said, oh, so now you have to take a backseat in your career. And now I don't think you will be able to excel the way you want to. So the kind of vibes I received from him was very negative. And the second thing, the same colleague, when I returned to work, and if I speak his language, he said, Babu, now you have kids, two kids to take care of. I don't think so. You will be able to cater to prime time requirements. You will be able to stay late night for the 9 p.m. prime time program. I said, why not? He said, Mm. no. Who will take care of your child? I was like, I am senior enough to do a prime time show. Leave it on me where my kids are and how I manage. Yeah. It's not your headache. It's mine. Yeah. Give me what I want to do. Yeah. We had a back and forth argument and he was trying to convince me that since I'm a mother of two, I should take a show at a junior level, which I refused to. And I said, okay, you want me to stay in office till 11 p.m.? He said, yes. And he made sure that I leave office by 11, even if there is no work. That is the kind of challenges we face. Oh my God, yeah. This is so true. They cannot get over their biases that they have. According to research from earlier this year, Fortune 100 Indian companies have just five female CEOs. What do you believe are the biggest challenges faced by women in progressing to managerial and leadership positions? Clearly, having colleagues like the one you spoke about is a challenge. But what are the other challenges faced by women? I'll say it's very unfortunate. And the biggest barrier I see is that women are not supported well. I had the full support system from NDTV. My employers, NDTV, they had a crutch facility. So the moment you deliver your child, you will get six months maternity leave with a one month of only club to it. So seven months, you are free to do your mommy role. The second good part was that there was a full frigid crutch with five nannies, two nursery trainers, one office doctor, one homopathic doctor every week. And they will not take more than six kids in one shift. Mother will have full access to the camera and it was within the premises. I like to stress on that within the premises. Crutch facility is very important. Because when a mother returns to work, 
after giving birth to a life, she is so attached to that life that she will not like to stay long hours without that little one. So the liberty was that while working, I can go anytime to see my child. How many times I feel like no one is going to ask me. My work should not suffer. Rest, it was my choice. So I nurtured my kids while working professionally, which is a privilege many women are not able to avail. In fact, in a very recent conversation, Ms. Smriti Irani, I said you have made maternity leave mandatory. You should also make crunch facility mandatory within the premises of the office or in the same building. Three, four corporates can pool and have one crutch so that the mother is not anxious. She can see her child. She doesn't have separation anxiety and she can do a work-life balance. And that way we'll be able to get more women in leadership role. Secondly, if you have an ailing parent, in-laws or your family, you should be offered work from home facility. See, you give a job to a woman, she will do magic. Don't ask her what time she is doing. You assign her, she might sit at midnight and finish that work with all her dedication. So I say how we can welcome more women to leadership positions to the boardroom is by supporting them, nurturing them, giving them what they want and unconditionally without telling them, oh, this is a favor we are doing. The moment you do a favor, it will not be lying by many women like me. Yeah, it is demotivating and demoralizing to be told that it is a favor. You're just enabling women to do a better job because their attention is not taken up with thinking about who's caring for the child and whether they're being looked after well or not. Do you believe that it is important, uh, Tessine, uh, for women to have mentors and sponsors in order to get into leadership positions? Indeed, very important. And let me tell you what I am. I am because I had a woman mentor who was a mother of three, who was in a leadership role and totally understood how to support a woman. She knew if I tell her my child is unwell, I will take leave tomorrow. She said, yes, that's your right. Do it. And we will take care of the work the next day. So we should have women who support each other. Women who are in leadership role should know what a woman needs to give her best. So mentors are really important and women mentors do magic if they really support women. And sponsorships are required, especially in the case of women where they take a break in their career. Let me tell you, I have so many of my friends who were on the peak of their career and they had to take a break just to take care of parents, family, child nurturing. And when I met them after three, four years, they were totally underconfident. They had hesitation going out. They had hesitation speaking. So that gap is there and they were the most talented pool from the industry if they would have been nurtured, well-sponsored, they would have been valuable assets for the industry, for the corporate, for any organization. Unfortunately, they were not mentored well. They were not sponsored. It's the industry's loss apart from what they lost. Unfortunately, I think as an industry, we still consider that when women go on leave 
or take a break from maternity or for caring responsibilities, that they have somehow lost their abilities to do work or their intelligence. And it conflates the two and sort of undermines them very badly. What are the three things you would recommend that organizations do in order to be more inclusive? Not just on gender, but on all protected characteristics like disability, social mobility, religion, caste, age, because we must consider everything through the intersectional lens. So when you think of women, you can have a younger woman or you can have an older woman or a disabled woman or a woman of a certain background or a caste or a religion or someone with social mobility problems. What would you say are the things that organization should be doing to take the right step in the direction? I like to take the liberty of saying four things. <laughs> what comes to my mind offense. The foremost is empathy. Without empathy, no one will flourish or excel. That's a must. Second is trust and appreciating the uniqueness of each individual because each individual, each professional is unique in his or her own way. So we should respect that, empathize with them, appreciate them, trust them. And the last thing which I'll say is freedom of thoughts and freedom of speech, which is most important. See, the biggest concern for organization is when the most passionate people become quiet. Yeah. And you know why they become quiet. They become quiet because they are not trusted and they don't have that freedom of expressing their thoughts and speech. So all these things combined together will be a huge change and the organization will gain a lot if they follow these for everyone, irrespective of gender, irrespective of caste, or irrespective of special ability. And coming to something personal, Tessine, how would you define your leadership style and how it has evolved? Do you believe that women leaders are different from men? Certainly, women leaders are different from men. And I feel that women are better managers. They are better organizers because the one thing which they really follow is empathy. And whoever follows empathy will be a successful leader. So you should understand the concern of your employee. You should identify their skill and be human. And I feel women are exceptional in giving that human touch to everything. So while my leadership style has always been a transformational and affiliative mix of leadership style, I largely believe connecting with people and giving that human touch. That's for the growth of the organization. And the second thing which I follow is that there are two goals. One is the organizational growth and one is the personal growth. So being a leader, one should see the team members are growing personally. They are climbing the ladder positively or not. If they are not climbing, then it's the fault of the line manager. It's the fault of the leader. So a leader should always be ready to upskill the employees and their teammates. Yeah, and enable them to thrive. What would your advice be to aspiring women leaders on how they can reach the top? Uh, first thing which comes to top of my mind is be yourself. Be yourself. Don't be afraid of anything. Don't be afraid of getting judged. Follow your heart and mind and speak up for the right thing. And be a support to a woman. I always keep repeating myself 
empowered woman, empower women. Be that empowered woman who's always there empowering another woman without her knowing about it and without yeah. just saying that you are doing it. Don't say it, just do it and try to pull as many women as you can. And the second mantra is never ever try to be perfect. Be happy with your imperfections. Don't try to do things perfectly. Instead, try to do things positively. <laughs> and have your own space. I firmly believe when you are happy from inside, you pamper yourself well, you upgrade your skills, then only you'll be able to take care of your family. If you are not happy, you are not satisfied with yourself, you will not be able to give the best to your family, to your organization or to anyone around. Some great advice there. And I really love the one on embrace your imperfections because I think as a culture, we tend to do this, try to be the super moms, the super daughter, super daughter-in-law, super wife. So I think embracing your imperfections is some great advice. How do you balance your career aspirations, seen along with your family and your personal ambitions? Because you very clearly stated that you need to make personal space, you need to have family time, and you need to have time to work. Well, that's a difficult task, but I feel that I've been practicing it for the last 15 years and now I'm pro at it. The first mantra to it, define your objectives. Once you are clear in your head what your objectives are, then you divide your time. I know this is my time. This is my children's time. This is my time to upskill myself. And I have basically trained my kids that way, that if it's a Sunday, Two hours I'm sleeping, they are not going to knock my door because they know that's my me time. Similarly, whatsoever comes on a Saturday between that particular time, I will say no to it because that's my time for my children, my family. So I feel a work-life balance is very important and a very disciplined routine is important. Second thing which I really follow in my life is yoga and meditation. That keeps you fit and your mind fit. You meditate yeah. and you will feel the energy and the positivity and you will be able to focus on what you want rather than thinking thousand things at a time. Yeah. So what I do is I divide my time and I focus on what is important to do that time and I try to maintain the timetable. So that's my mantra. That seems like quite a bit and it requires some thinking. One of the points that you made right at the start is that define your objective. I think women spend so little time thinking about where they want to go and what they want to do and what they want to achieve. We just muddle our way through it. And that's why there is so much of disappointment, etc., because we have no control and we have no idea where we are going. What would be the advice to your 18-year-old self on how to develop yourself personally? I think women need that a lot. So that would be great advice. <laughs> Tough question. But yes, I'll say don't be rebels. Listen to your parents because they are more they are more experienced and they have seen life closely than what you have seen. Don't always feel that, you know, okay, the parents are their barriers or they will not give you the right advice. Just follow your dreams, follow your passion and be yourself. Once again, I'll say that, that once you are yourself, everything follows. 
That's true. That's some great advice, Faisin. Thank you for making time today for this podcast. I'd really, really appreciate you making time. Thank you. Thank you for having me over. I hope we'll gather some insight and we'll be able to support more women through this and we'll keep doing these kind of sessions more often. Absolutely agree with you. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us this week on the Elephant in the Room podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on any of your favorite platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And if you enjoyed listening to the podcast today, don't forget to write a review and tell your friends. Sign up on the link in the show notes to receive updates on our guest speakers, blogs and events. And don't forget to tune in every Thursday for new episodes.